This is Stadium to Boardroom. Listen in as top athletes tell their stories on how they developed into successful entrepreneurs and business leaders. They reveal their own aha moment of transformation from the stadium to the boardroom. Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese. I'm Lenny Green. And welcome to Stadium to Boardroom, a different type of radio show. Len, tell what the show is. Well, from all the years that we've been watching entrepreneurs and working with entrepreneurs, there's some characteristics that seem to be the same as those who are in sports. So what we're trying to do is get into some in-depth questions and answers with successful, not only athletes, but successful entrepreneurs to find out what that connection is. And so we're here today with Robert John Valentine, but no one knows who that is, but everyone knows him as Bobby Valentine. Everyone knows him as Bobby V. So welcome aboard, Bobby. How are you? Okay, Robert. Thank you. Good to be with you guys. Great to have you on the show. And so Bobby V, as everyone knows, is iconic, arguably the best athlete in the history of Connecticut. He is the guy who took the Mets to the World Series, and we almost beat the Yankees. And then he also has in Stamford Bobby V's, which is the quintessential sports bar, I would say, in America. And my son James and his his girlfriend, Caitlin, probably moved to Stanford just because of Bobby V's. So here's the first thing. Are there secrets in sports and in business success that are the same? Because very few people have had success in both. You know, leadership has to have vision. You have to have uh, disciples who are spreading the word. You have to uh, create a belief system within uh, the group that's working with you and for you. And um, yeah, all those things I think are are, are true in both uh, sports and in industry. Is it different, those attributes from being a star athlete as, as you were, and then, but you were also a star manager. Is there different characteristics that you need in both of those different things to be successful? Yeah, of course. You know, when you're the athlete, you're just thinking about yourself and uh, you're making sure that you can be the best version of of you as possible. And you're taking from others to um, be as good as you could possibly be. When you become a leader and a manager and a coach, you are then not taking from anyone. You're giving to everyone and you're trying to make sure that the ingredients that you're adding to that uh, particular player or an employee uh, is helping them get to the level that they want to be at. And when you want to get people to another level, you have something, a secret sauce, which is being a celebrity. So when you started the restaurant business of, of Bobby V's, how do you use your celebrityism to help grow it? But how do you also, like you're saying, build other people? Well, you know, I worked side by side with people. I had a restaurant business for 38 years, um, you know, seven different locations at one time. And, um, you know, I cooked and I cleaned the bathroom and, um, you know, I did the books and I did the bartending and I did the waiting and I did the uh, cleaning. Uh, And uh, then I also let people understand what I expected of them that if I was going to give a a full day's effort, that when they were working with me, or even when I wasn't uh, there, 
that I expected uh, them to give a full day's effort. Bobby, okay. the other element that, that to me was, was fascinating when I read your story was it wasn't all uphill, okay? There were plenty of injuries along the way. What mindset do you have to have to be successful to not say, hey, that's a bad break and it's not my fault, but you didn't. You just turned around and kept on coming back. Can, can we talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah, as a player, you know, injuries are part of the game and you have to understand when you're not 100% that you try to get to 100% uh, physically and mentally. Um, but, you know, in, in real life, uh, you know, I've been uh, I've been at the brink of bankruptcy. I've been uh, at a state where I didn't know what I was going to do next. When, when I went to Japan to become the first uh, ever uh, non-Japanese manager in the uh, professional leagues of Japan and then went on to win a championship. It was a whole different world that I had to learn and understand and uh, assimilate to. So when you're down, you learn how to get up. And when it's different, you learn how to survive um, by, by understanding differences and making sure that uh, what you're communicating, uh, whether it's in your native language or in another language, is being received at the other end. And um, I think communication is uh, is the uh, quintessential part of good leadership. I want to take a balance sheet snapshot of that very of the statement that you made because it's fascinating. Yeah, I know it was like May seventeenth, nineteen seventy three. You're the fastest guy stealing bases. And all of a sudden, you're, you're going of, oh, oh, good for you to catch a home run and have this, this injury. Now, this injury, it never healed right. They didn't do it the right way. And you're never able to run at the level that you were before. So you were talking about, you know, facing adversity, like Len asked you, what goes through your mindset at the moment that happens? And what makes you able to bounce up quicker? What's, what's actually going on in the inside when you go through something horrendous like that? And we know Aaron Rodgers did that, but hey, he's already going into the Hall of Fame. You are en route to the Hall of Fame, not yet. Well, you know, Robert, um, in 1970, I got beamed uh, the last day of the season. That my, too, yeah. And so my face was crushed and my cheekbone was pushed down three and a half inches. And then before I played my next game, I also did a stupid thing and got uh, played flag football in college and got clipped and had a total knee uh, reconstruction. Uh, and so that was like in 70. And then I had to try to come back from those injuries. And I did. It took a couple of years to regain my form, uh, my speed, my confidence, my balance, all those good things that are needed to play sport. And um then I broke my leg again, and uh, I believed when I when uh, my, I broke my leg in '73 uh, that I'll come back as good as I once was. All I had to do is put in the hard work, and uh, the hard work wasn't enough. My leg was crooked, and so then I had to uh, come face to face with reality and uh, understand that I wasn't going to be that player. That I was going to be another player, and that player. Uh, was going to be at the end of the bench, at the at the 25th man instead of the first or second man. And that took an adjustment. But uh, during all of those times, you, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe 
because you don't know the end. You, 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 just like a baseball game, when it starts, you don't know what it's going to be, the, the score at the end. So you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your teammates. You have to believe in the philosophy uh, that you're taking into that game individually when you're coming back from an injury or coming back from depression or divorce or bankruptcy or whatever it might be, that you have to have that self-belief that at the end, it's going to work out fine. So let's say, following up on that, you're, you're sitting down with an athlete, they're retiring, and they say, you know, Bobby, I want to I wanna go into business. I don't know whatever business, but I want to go into something. What is the exact advice you give them? Because so many athletes have tried and failed. And you have, yes, you failed at different things, but you keep coming back. You keep succeeding. What's the advice you're giving to that athlete who wants to change careers now? Well, to find out something they're good at and then figure out how to enjoy doing it. Something they're good at or something they love doing? Which one? I think that that's all backward, uh, uh, that love doing. I think what you do is you figure out the things that you're good at, and then you learn to love them. If you're just chasing uh, your dream to think, oh, I really, I'd, I'd love to be an astronaut, but you're afraid of heights. Oh, I'd love to be a baseball player, but you can't hit a curveball. Uh, that that doesn't work. You first figure out what you're good at, and and then you learn to to love it. But okay, Bobby, I've I've talked to so many people who have opened a restaurant, but you didn't just open up a restaurant you open up a number of restaurants what drives you to is it the same drive that 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 drives you to win championships and be the best baseball player it's a similar drive yeah it's it's that idea of of getting up in the morning and doing something special you know uh getting a game winning hit is like uh you know having a restaurant full of people at the end of the day or or the academy having uh, you know, teams waiting in line to use your your facility or or whatever it is that when you wake up, you're trying to have a great day. Uh, and and um, I don't think that it's so much different. You know, that restaurant thing that I did for, you know, a good part of my life, half of my life, uh, I did it with uh, passion and commitment. This is Robert Reese and Len Green on The CEO Show. We're about to take a commercial break. When we come back with Bobby Valentine, you are going to hear things about Bobby V. You may have never heard of, and you'll even learn about how do you manage a superstar. Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese on the Stadium Boardroom Show here with Len Green. And we are speaking with the one and only Bobby V. And we've spoken a lot about what he's done. I'm going to tell you some things he's done you probably are not aware. Now, he is a ballroom dancing superstar where he actually kicked off the 1964 World Series. Um, what was it? Not World Series. World's Fair. World Fair. Yeah. What, what was that like? It was great com- competition. It was great uh, learning experience as a young teenager. You know, I danced with the same partner for over three years. We had that practice and that commitment down where we were doing it four nights a week. Uh, we understood each other. I learned about teamwork and balance and competition. You know, you wear a tuxedo and, and have your your partner wear a, uh, a big evening 
or a, a flowing dance dress and you're at the Waldorf Astoria or the Fountain Blue uh, Hotel and, and judges are walking around with pens and pencils and making sure you're doing the step correctly and, and doing it better than the person next to you. Uh, it, it was great competition and I, I learned a lot from it. And Bobby, let's go back to just one thing you said before, just so that the listeners can can focus in on it. Because I think it's of all the things you've said so far that there, you glossed over this one. And from my experience, this is probably the most key for success. And, and that is when you're a leader, the followers are watching you. And if they see you doing what they could be doing and they are doing, and you're there earlier than they are, or maybe later than they are, and you're doing the manual things, that sets an example. It really, it really does. As far as teamwork is concerned, you can't just preach teamwork. You got to be in there and do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, def- it definitely makes sense. But you obviously, you're not doing everything that all your your employees or all your followers are doing. It's uh, they have a skill set that's probably different than yours, and that's why they're on your team to to make the team. But what you need to do is understand what they're doing and appreciate what they're doing when they do a good job. You also have to understand what they're doing so you recognize uh, what needs to be changed if the job isn't being done properly. And you know that's what I think leaders. Uh, can do that they they understand the job that needs to get done and they appreciate it and uh and also um un- understand it when it's not being done properly so that it, it stops and the right thing gets done i i want to walk you back back bobby to um to me being a a true mets fan and you being it was so interesting because on that massacre day when we lost dave kingman and um, and Tom Seaver, you came <laughs> over to the Mets. But then you did something exceptional, which is you brought the Mets to the World Series. And I want to ask you, so here you get a guy, Mike Piazza, the first true superstar the Mets have had in years. How? What goes through your mindset? How do you manage a superstar in relation to other people? Because a lot of people have superstars in business What's your take on that? How you manage a superstar, what you do with them, how you build them, what freedom to give them? How does that work out? Well, once again, uh, superstar, superstars come in all different flavors. And to think that there's just one way that you treat somebody who, you know, is the star of your team and one way you treat someone who's uh, just uh, is, is a rookie on your team, uh, it, it's foolish to think that. You, you have to deal with the individual. You have to understand the needs that a superstar has as well as the needs that uh, a rookie has. I remember being a young manager and standing behind a batting cage when Reggie Jackson was a uh, a superstar in at the end of his career. And he was having a little trouble hitting at that p- particular time. And he was upset and frustrated that none of the coaches and the manager on his team they weren't trying to help him get out of his slump. And he was saying, well, because I'm Reggie, they don't want to deal with me. They think that I can handle it myself. Well, you know, everyone has needs. And the the uh, one of the jobs of a leader is to fulfill the needs, to make sure that the needs of a superstar, uh, as well as the needs of uh, those who aren't the, the best player on the team or highest paid uh, person in the in the organization that their needs are 
are also filled. So sometimes it's a personal thing. Sometimes it's a physical thing. Uh, you know, to correct, to help Reggie with a swing is probably all he needed. Somebody else might uh, need to be asked about uh, how their kid's doing in kindergarten. Somebody else might uh, have to get a day off because they're trying to play through a little injury and you recognize the effort they're given, but understand that it's the injury that's allowing them or not allowing them to perform. So you have to have your eyes and ears open. You have to uh, make sure that all the intel's coming in and that the uh, computer spits out the right information. Well, you know, at a certain point, you want to wrap up a little bit. And what a great interview this is going to be. And then people listening to it, there's there's such nuggets in here. of, of the, I mean, this, this isn't just generalizations and things. Bobby, you, you just, as far as I'm concerned, you, you hit it out of the ballpark and then some. When you live it, you, you, you live it, you know. And, and as Robert referred to, I mean, I've been as down as down can be and I've been as up as up can be. And, um, you know, the, the idea of uh, doing what's right, um, I think, is, is uh, the driving force in my life. And sometimes you're not right. You think you're right and you're not right. And then the only time that you're right is when you admit that you're wrong. wrong. And, uh, you know, Tommy, Tommy Lasorda used to say, uh, hey, yeah, you know, I was wrong once. You know, that was the time that I thought I was wrong, but I really turned out to be right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so here's here's your final question. Talk about influences, mother, father. What was a situation, a transformative moment you had in your life that helped shape the character of who you are? Oh, I, I have no idea. It might have been in sixth grade when the principal called my mother and father in to the office and told them with me sitting there that I would, I would never amount to anything because I fought too much. And when my mom and dad decided to get up and walk out of the principal's office and said to me, fight for what you believe in, uh, it's okay. Uh, I, I think that that kind of changed uh, or at least uh, solidified the direction that uh, I took in my life. A anyway, this was um, this was a fantastic one. You've so much great content. Well, enjoy it, and I hope you're successful with it. Thank, Thank you, Bobby. you very much. Thank you, Bobby. <laughs>